0: Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. You're listening to Life Over Coffee. This is episode 253, 253. Before you listen to the podcast, I need for you to go on the platform in which you are listening and give us an excellent five-star review. Would you do that? It's one of the ways that you can serve us. And it is important because it does help us to grow organically, it it helps us to reach more people, and I'm serious about you doing that, so please write that review. I might be serious about you doing it before you uh, listen to this podcast, because when I share with you the title, which I'm about to do, uh, some of you are just going to turn it off, and others of you might throw your phone across the room, and then some of you are going to say, yes, amen. Praise God. Thank you for coming out of the closet. Well, I've never been in the closet, but uh, I do want to give a little bit of clarity and so that's what I'm doing with episode 253 let me reveal the mystery to you now here's the title of the podcast the title is episode 253 am i the only continuationist a c b c fellow now that is a loaded a loaded title and so let me walk through it just a bit and then I'll, I'll give you the backstory of of why I may be, and honestly, I don't know if I'm the only continuationist fellow with ACBC, because I suspect there are a few that are in the closet, uh, and there may be others that are out of the closet, and it's clear, and I just don't know them. And the reason that I wouldn't know them is because I haven't been active with ACBC. Uh, I, I I have no issue with ACBC, so I'm not saying that. I've just never really been active in the biblical counseling movement. I've got too many things going on. I got my head down, and I'm grinding. We're helping a lot of people. We have thousands of people that come to us every month, and so I'm quite the busy fellow. And so I don't spend my time poking around the biblical counseling movement. And that's why when I say I don't know what people's positions are in biblical counseling, Because I don't follow biblical counselors, I don't read their books. I just don't poke around biblical counseling. Because again, head down, grinding, churning every day, very busy for the uh, for the glory of God, and and very content. And so that's just the way it is and i know some people like to network and do all that and there's there's some good reasons to network and i don't have an issue with that but again i just don't so i probably ride on a third rail but nevertheless i am part of ACBC back when they were nank which is the national association of nuptiatric counselors which has gone through several iterations over the decades that it has been around. In fact, one of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast is because ACBC is uh, bringing greater clarity, I believe, to the biblical counseling movement. They're, they're running themselves back through their hermeneutical spiral, which they have done quite a few times, praise God. And as they do that, they're, they're growing in biblical precision, even more so in that I am thankful because the the winds are blowing. The winds are blowing culturally. You know that. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense going on, but the wind is blowing through the church buildings too, not just blowing the pulpit, but also uh, blowing through the counseling office, and there are uh, many, there are quite a few uh, popularized authors and and biblical counselors, and even some of these acronyms, biblical counseling movements, that are shifting theologically, and it appears, at least from my vantage point on this day, that ACBC is trying to do well. I was having a conversation yesterday with an ACBC a counselor, and I was talking about this idea of being a continuationist versus a cessationist, and, and she said she's a uh, cessationist, which is fine. Uh, she was a little bit surprised I was a continuationist, and I shared with her the backstory of, of how all that happened, and, and she said, you need to do a workshop on that. I'm not sure anybody would let me do a workshop on that unless it's a conference that I lead myself. I have no problem doing it, but then I was thinking maybe, well, I don't need a workshop. I'll just do a podcast. And so here it is. Again, this is episode 253. Am I the only continuationist fellow? with ACBC. Now, ACBC is a counseling organization. Again, it used to be the National Association of New Thetic Counselors. They began rebranding themselves a half a dozen or so years ago, redefining themselves. And as I said, they're running themselves through the hermeneutical spiral again and just uh, trying to maintain biblical precision, which I do appreciate. And so today, ACBC is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. And I am a fellow What does a fellow mean? Uh, Well, uh, it's just a level, it's just a level. Uh, You can come in and be a a certified biblical counselor that's at one level, and then if you uh, counsel for so many hours and, and do so many observation, counseling sessions, and then you take a counseling exam and a theological exam, that may be all of it. It was so long ago, it was 2008, so that's 12 years from here. And so I don't remember all that I did to become a fellow, but it's just another rung up on the ladder uh, as far as having a fellowship. And so there I am. All right. So uh, the uh, process, to become a fellow, and again, episode 253, am I the, oh, a continuationist? Uh, For those of you not familiar with that term, uh, it believes, it's a person who believes the gifts. Uh, continue today. The gifts of the Spirit continue today, basically. It's a very simplified definition of it. And so you have a continuationist, and then you have a a cessationist. A cessationist would believe uh, that uh, the gifts uh, are not in existence today, and I'm not a cessationist. Now let me me give you, because what some people do, some people have very black and white and hard uh, categories. And when you say cessationist, it means one thing, and and that's all it means. And when you say you're a continuationist, it means one thing. And typically the one thing that people uh, react to is that, oh, you're Benny Hinn, and you're some of these weird people. And that's not what I'm saying at all. That's, that's not what I mean. But some people can have such narrow and tight categories, and and they don't have the ability, for whatever reason, to to think in complexity and and to work through things that 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 immediately. And that's why I said that's why I want you to do your review of this of, of Life Over Coffee podcast before you listen to it. But it's too late now if you haven't done your review, and uh, you'll immediately just cast me aside as um, Benny Hinn and all of that nonsense that goes on in that particular world, and that's not what I'm talking about at all. And so it may be helpful for you to think of it this way. So if you draw a line in your mind, and you you put a a line right in the middle of it, and so you just put a line right in the middle of the longer horizontal line, so you have a short line vertically crossing the horizontal line, and the vertical line is right in the middle. All right, so on the left side of the halfway point is uh, a cessationist. And I guess you could say there's degrees of cessationist that goes all the way out to whatever the extreme of cessationism is, people that don't believe in the gifts. Now you'll find John MacArthur on the cessationist side, okay? All right, so then on the other side of the line, what you'll have is a continuationist. And again, there's, there's degrees of continuationist. And I think if you get way out there, you'll have Benny Hinn and a lot of weird stuff that goes on uh, within the so-called church. Well, I'm just to the right of the line. And what you could do, and this is important, it's important that you hear this, is that you you should be able, a rational Christian should be able to draw a circle around the cessationist and the continuationist right there on the left and right of the center line. And, and again, as I mentioned, you'll find uh, John MacArthur to the left of the center line. You'll find John Piper to the right of the center line. He's a continuationist. And it's really, uh, it, it's rationally and theologically problematic uh, to pick one side or the other and throw the other side out. That is biblically problematic, and I'll talk about that as I move through this podcast. But if you draw a circle around the center line, and you encompass a little bit to the to the left and a little bit to the right, uh, you'll draw a circle around cessationist and continuationist, and uh, yeah, there's grace there. There's grace there. And I trust that that's your heart, and that you're not so anal Uh, biblically or or, or narrow-minded in the wrong kind of way uh, that you just start casting people out that are on the opposite side of the fence from where you stand. And so I am a fellow with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I'm a continuationist. I believe that the gifts exist today. I'll explain more as we move along. And so you do take a counseling exam. You take a theological exam. You do some counseling hours, et cetera, et cetera. On my theological exam, and I can't give you the quotes now because, again, it was a long time ago when I took my fellowship exam, but on the theological exam, they asked me something like, what uh, is my position on the Holy Spirit or my position on the gifts? And I said something to the effect that I'm a Trinitarian. (laughs) And I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. Uh, but I actually am a Trinitarian. I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well on planet Earth. I, I, I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I believe that the Spirit has an active role in our life. Now, I may have elaborated. I probably did. I, I imagine I did elaborated more. But my leading statement as far as the gifts are concerned is I'm a Trinitarian. Well, guess what? Uh, they, Whoever was doing my exam sent it back and <laughs> asked for more clarity, specifically specificity on my view of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Actually, and so I gave a little more clarity on my view, uh, which does reveal that I am a continuationist. I am a little bit to the right of the center line, with a lot of other wonderful Christian men and women that you love. And so I explain more, and this is some version of what I said, and this is definitely what I. Believe, uh, I am a Trinitarian. I do believe that the Spirit of God is alive and well on planet or planet Earth. I believe that there are many gifts of the Spirit. For the sake of argument, I'm going to say there are 465 gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm just I just made that up. I just made it up. Okay, it's just a number. And there's the gifts of, there's the gift of administration, for example. The word administration in the Bible is like, uh, you think about it like a, a boat with a rudder on the back of it, and, and that rudder really guides the boat, that's what the gift of administration means. That's the word picture that you want to use to describe administration. And every well-run church understands the gift of administration because administration runs the church. Uh, it takes it takes somebody with the gift of administration. These are the people that you don't see hardly ever on Sunday morning. You see the preacher who has the gift of teaching a gift of the Spirit, but you also have the gift of administration. And so we have 465 gifts of the Spirit, a random arbitrary number that I just made up. But the number one gift of the Spirit, this is not arguable, in in my view anyway, is the gift of salvation. The Spirit of God penetrates your heart, and he... And, and engages the Word of God in your heart and and the engagement of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and and you come alive in in Christ. And without that gift, and this is why I say the gift of salvation is the number one gift is that uh, well, if you don't have it really, Nothing else matters. Uh, There's the gift of repentance. I mentioned the gift of administration. and, And there are many gifts, okay? And honestly, people don't have a problem with, pretty much don't have a problem with what I just said. But you know where the problem is. The problem is with gift number 463, 464, and 465. That is the problem and that's where people struggle. What am I talking about specifically? The gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of tongues. That's where people trip up. And and most people can get through healing and and prophecy and I'll I'll give you my interpretation of, of those two words in just a moment. And and where they really fall down as far as a continuationist is is uh, concern uh, is the gift of tongues, and ultimately, when you get to the end of it, you're looking at the last gift, four hundred and sixty-five, and and that's the problem, and that's why I'm not a continuationist. And uh, okay, all right, well whatever. Now, I don't take the view uh, of when that which is perfect is come in First Corinthians 13. I don't take the view that that is the Word of God. I, I just can't. I've looked at it a lot, and I can't see it exegetically as when that which is perfect is come, you know, then the gifts will go away, and the interpretation from some is that when that which is perfect is come is the Word of God, and honestly, I just, I don't see it. I'm open to correction, but I just don't see it, uh, and so that's not an argument for the cessation of the gifts. All right, so let me get to the end of the gift list, number 463, uh, the gift of healing. And I think most of us can get over that. I mean, just let me ask you a question. When you are sick, do you ask God to heal you? Do you, do you ask God to give you this, this gift And and all of us do. Some of you uh, even are okay to call the elders of the church to anoint you, to put oil uh, on your forehead, and to pray over you. I have done that as a pastor to people, uh, and and I've had it. I think I've had it happen to me. I think I have, and and I have no issue with that. If I am, I've, I've had all sorts of ailments in my life uh, from minor to severe and and the more severe ones i've dear god please heal me give me this this gift of of healing and then give 400 now again i think all of us can somewhat sign off on that and then for, give 464 is uh, a word from the lord prophecy prophecy and yeah, when I say that, I'm not talking about revelation as in inspired, the inspired word, that you are getting inspired words from God. That is that is unbelievably uh, dangerous. It's one of the issues that I have with Sarah, uh, what's her name, her book, Jesus Calling, uh, and other books that have been written like that. I, I think those or dangerous books and you need to be very careful about because I, I just the way that she frames it and we do have a review on our website about that book and and I stand by it that it's, it's just a dangerous book that I do not recommend uh, but when I talk about prophecy what I'm, I'm talking about a word from the Lord Uh, Is not you speaking inspiration as God is dictating something to you. Uh, The word that I prefer is the word illumination. Uh, You're speaking forth what you believe uh, God is subjectively. I understand and agree, uh, but you believe uh, similar, you know, what the Lord told the disciples that, you know, don't worry about what to say. God will give you the words to say in that moment. I believe in this teaching of illumination, that the Spirit of God, again, is active and alive on planet Earth, and that He illuminates uh, our minds. Now, one of the ironies about this idea, word from the Lord, or prophecy? We don't like to say prophecy, because that just sounds bad to some people. And so what my Baptist brothers do, and I'll, I'll I find this quite humorous and I I, I speak of them because of the, they are my people. I come from a fundamentalist independent Baptist background, which are some of the more stricter, tighter, legalistic group of Baptistic folk uh, which some of you would is probably a head turner as to you are a fundamentalist, independent Baptist, and you are a continuation. how in the world you can't get here from there. And you're probably right, but that's another story. But what my Baptist, independent Baptist brothers will say and sisters is God laid something on my heart. God laid something on my heart. And, and so they use six words to say the word prophecy, they won't say the word prophecy, they'll say, or they won't say a word from the Lord necessarily, they'll say, God laid something something on my heart. And uh, that's what they're saying. The Spirit of God illuminated them. The Spirit of God motivated them. Now, I realize that there's mystery here, and I'm okay with mystery. I'm comfortable with mystery. There's a lot of mystery in the Bible. I mean, there's... Once you start moving down below the surface of Scripture, you bump into mystery fast. And there's mystery here. But again, I'm okay with that. But I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of the mystery. And there's some things that I just don't know. There's a lot of things. There are so many things that I don't know. And so when I see a stop sign uh, at the end of the road, I just stop And if you want me to explain illumination in more depth, then uh, no, there's a stop sign there, and after a while, I'm just going to be extrapolating and speculating, meaning I'm just going to be making up stuff, and I just can't go there, and so I have to be comfortable with mystery. But my Baptist brothers and sisters, God lays stuff on their heart. And I don't have a problem with that as long as they are holding that stuff quite loosely, as long as they know this is not thus saith the Lord as far as inspired revelation. But they subjectively believe that the Spirit of God is working uh, in their uh, minds and moving them to do X, Y, or Z. And that's how I interpret a word from the Lord. Now... What I call it, I have an article on my website, I have it here in these show notes, it's called uh, counseling, some version of counseling is, uh, counseling is two parts, is prayer and prophecy. Counseling is two parts, prayer and prophecy. And in a vacuum, in the context of what I'm speaking here, obviously counseling is much more but two vital parts might be a better way of saying it is prayer and prophecy. While you're counseling, you're always having a 2 a, a, a two-directional conversation in counseling, or you better you better be uh, talking to two people in counseling at the same time. And so, or as you are listening to the counselee, might be a better way to say it. As you're listening to the counselee, you're talking to God and you're asking the spirit of god oh spirit of god help me run through the the index of scriptures in my mind help me bring my training to my mind illuminate my mind dear lord help me and, and then you, you you step out in faith and then you speak and speak forth prophecy uh, you share what you believe God wants you to share based on those illuminations at that moment with that counselee, and that is a huge part of counseling, prayer, and prophecy, and so you're talking to God as you are talking with the other person, and so that's healing, gift number 463, and uh, a word from the Lord, gift 464, and then there's tongues. 465. I don't speak in tongues. I don't. What does it mean? Well, the argumentation is is out there. The discussions are out there, and you can do that study yourself. And so I'm a continuationist, and I received my fellowship with ACBC in 2008 on a Tuesday afternoon. And then Tuesday evening, we had a dinner where all the, the... newly minted certified biblical counselors got together with spouses and and so forth and the newly minted fellows and i'm not sure if there were other fellows that were newly minted that night or not i don't remember but we all got together for a dinner and uh at that dinner uh, my friend, good buddy, love him to pieces, uh, Don Arms. Don Arms is a sidekick for uh, Jay Adams. He and Jay have been best buds for a very long time. They live really close to me here in South Carolina. Uh, and, and Don is it will probably be the caretaker and the one that will carry on Jay's legacy uh, after the Lord calls him home. I've known Don for a couple of decades now, and we've had some wonderful conversations. And Don does not believe what I believe Uh, on this situation, and that is fantastic. That is so fantastic, Don's awesome, love him. And so at that fellowship dinner on Tuesday night, Don made a beeline to me, and he knew what I believed. He knew I was a continuationist. He said, did you tell them? Like, how did they pass you? And I said something like, no, Don, I lied to them. I said, what do you think? Of course I told them, and then I said, over there is Lance Quinn. Uh, Lance Quinn was my supervisor. Why don't you go ask him? He's the one that said it was okay. And then Don and I talked for a little bit, and we banter back and forth because we like each other, and we can do that, and it's kind of cool that two people can disagree and be civil and not be attacking each other. He doesn't attack me, and I don't attack him. We love each other, and we agree on some things, disagree on others. We agree on the gospel, and that's the main thing. But after I was talking to Don, I I um I saw Lance and I said, well maybe I want to ask Lance myself. Uh Lance uh pastored for a while uh, in Little Rock, I believe, in Arkansas. He was an elder at Grace Community for a while with John MacArthur and and team and I'm not sure what he's doing now. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, he supervised me. So I went up to Lance. And I said, "Hey, Lance, uh, thank you for uh, giving me approval or however that works and giving me a fellowship. Got a question for you. And you know, I didn't even have to telegraph it. It's obvious is what the qu- question is going to be. And so I just asked him point blank, why did you and really them, uh, allow me to be a fellow? And he said that well, uh, it was a uh, it was a talking point among the executive board, as I imagine it would be. Um, but he said, "Rick, this is where we eventually landed." Uh, he said, "There's good people on both sides of this argument, and we can't be so arrogant to think that we are the ones that know the truth on a secondary issue." And we really have to be gracious to those who hold a different view, though, that we might not agree with it, uh, but we, we just can't be omniscient. We can't be uh, so dogged on our beliefs that, and think there's no margin for error within our own beliefs on a secondary issue. And on this specific issue, I mean, there are places to draw lines, but on this issue, we just can't draw the line there. And I thought that was really humble. It was really gracious, and it is a template for how to think about other people uh, who have beliefs that are different than yours. And I, I know that for some people, that can open up a, a can of worms, and, and that is that's well, that's just what happens. Uh, but when you have people that believe different differently from you on secondary issues. The gospel is not being um, changed in any way. There has to be civil discussions. And, And I know that there's gradations here because once you move outside of this circle that you have around the center point that I described earlier, the conversations can intensify and change and can become more dogmatic and et cetera. Uh, but within this, if we're all hanging out at this center point, which is where we are on this issue, I believe, and Lance believes as well, and the executive board and ACBC, uh, yeah, yeah, there's room. There's room, and so they let me in. I'm a continuationist. Many of you don't know that because, honestly, it's not a hill that I die on. It's not a, it's not the thing. It's not the flag. I, it's not where I put the accent mark. Never have. I put the accent mark on the, the gospel. There's a lot of other things that I believe, and so I don't make a mountain out of a molehill. But I did want to share with you that story because as I was talking with the biblical counselor yesterday, she said, because she's a cessationist, and she wanted to hear my perspective, and she said, you need to teach a workshop on that. Now, ultimately, where I fall, I, I do land on this question, and you do have to ask the question, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? If you have a wonderful counseling session, for example, and God does wonderful things, did you make all that stuff up? Did Did you do it all? Did you, did you come up with all this stuff in your mind? Did, did you work through the complexity by yourself? Or was the Spirit of God active, working in your mind, illuminating your mind? Episode 253, am I the only continuationist as an ACBC fellow? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.